Hey guys, welcome to episode 282 of Built on Passion. I'm your host, Matt Delabuono, and this week we have on Kinona co-founder, Tammy Fuji. Kinona was started while Tammy and fellow co-founder Diane Saluch were getting more and more into golf. Having a background in fashion, it was tough to look past the lack of innovation and apparel options for women that the industry had to offer. When it comes to style and inclusion, the golf industry has been a little slow to adapt with the changing times. And those are two major keystones that Kinona was built on. After years of getting more and more into the sport, they decided to roll up their sleeves and help bring the golf industry into the 21st century by providing more than just a pink it and shrink it option for women. Having years of experience bringing brands to life and products to the market, they managed to develop functional apparel that doesn't just look incredible, but actually breathes life into the sport and, of course, style. In this episode of Built on Passion, Tammy Fuji shares her journey leading up to starting Kinona, some of the skills and tools that were key to Kinona's swift success, how the golf industry really needs to evolve to open up the space, and the how and why behind Kinona. Do you own or do marketing for an outdoor travel, wellness, or fitness product company? If you enjoy listening to our podcast Built on Passion, have a brand of your own and are interested in joining one of Red Yeti's upcoming giveaways, we'd love to have you. Our giveaway campaigns are a great way for you to gain exposure and build a targeted audience of potential customers. We've worked with hundreds of brands over the years, chances are you've probably seen our giveaways, and we've put together giveaways related to the outdoor fitness, wellness, and health spaces. If you're interested in partnering or joining one of our giveaways, just message us on Instagram. Our handle is at Red Yeti. That's R-E-D-D-Y-Y-E-T-I. Just tell us you'd like to join one of our upcoming giveaways and someone from our team will be in touch. Remember, just message us on Instagram at Red Yeti. That's R-E-D-D-Y-Y-E-T-I. All right, all right. Well, hang on one second before we actually jump into this episode. I just wanted to say thank you. Really, thank you for supporting everything we're trying to do. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being engaged, being curious, and just being there supporting the show. We work really hard to put together a really interesting show and have on guests that are truly doing something progressive, interesting, and building something truly special. If you are looking for a way to show your support and help us continue to do what we are doing, One of the biggest things you could do, and I know it seems like a really small thing, but is leave a review. Plus, it helps inform other people what your experience of this podcast has been like. So that's basically it. I just wanted to say a big old thank you to you, the listener. Please leave a review. It is extremely helpful and uh, you look great. And that's it. Bye. Tammy, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be here. Absolutely. I'm, I'm interested to hear more about Kinona. I know we had a little, a little chance to chat about it a couple of days ago, but it, it kind of piqued my interest here. Yeah. No, we, uh, we just celebrated our fifth Kinona birthday on the 15th of January. So yeah, we are another year older and wiser. Oh, man. So Kinona is a Capricorn, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Slowly rising. <laughs> Oh, As man. am I. So I, I didn't actually even think about the parallel there. So my personal birthday was just, a, you know, preceded by a few short days before the Kinona birthday. <laughs> so. Oh, man. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Man, that's, that's great because you get double cake. 
Oh, well, yeah. And, you know, having a birthday <laughs> right around the holidays for those of those of us who are in that same boat know exactly what it's like. So, yeah, it's like bring it on. <laughs> yeah. And and like you like think you're out of it like, OK, we're past the uh, the holidays. We can get into the routine. All right. Maybe maybe just one more. One right. More treat. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like I've been celebrating, you know, my birthday or Kinona's birthday all month. So I'm and I'm good with that. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. Man, great way to start the year, too. Yep, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Okay, so to, to start, who is Tammy Fuji? Oh, wow. That's a super loaded question. <laughs> so I am a, uh, probably first and foremost, I'm a wife and a mother and a sister and a daughter. Um, I have, uh, you know, married. I live in Bellevue, Washington with my uh, husband, and we have a 25-year-old, soon-to-be 26-year-old son. And yeah, I'm kind of born and raised in the Pacific Northwest, which is where I've spent all of my life. And I started my career, you know, a long, long time ago, but I've been in the apparel industry for the majority of my career. And frankly, that's always been, I think, my passion. I've got a consumer products background. I've been in tech you know, from a career perspective. And I have um, always loved more consumer facing brands and consumer facing part of the business. You know, when, when it came time to really finally start thinking of, I think myself and, and what I wanted to do for really kind of the remainder of my career. uh, I really felt like we, I was personally at a point where I really did, in fact, want to give uh, kind of owning and starting my own business a go. And I, um, I did actually have my own consulting business for uh, about three or four years, had some great clients, but it's, it's different. You know, I was helping to establish somebody else's passion, not necessarily my own. And so I, I think, you know, that has certainly been the, the biggest kind of driver of that. I've also am a you know a sports enthusiast. I'm pretty active. I'm used to be a big runner and and uh, cycler and and I do less running and more cycling now. But and also a big golfer. And so not a great golfer, but I love to golf. So yeah, so that is really kind of how my background and and I think all of those things really kind of help shape and and kind of drive who I am. My husband and I we you know enjoy to entertain and I love to cook and, and all of that. So to answer your question, that's kind of who I am. A little bit of everything. Yes, indeed. Oh man. I, when you, when you started the consulting, was that kind of just like a, Oh, I guess I'll do this now. Or was that always the long-term goal with where you wanted to get to, or I guess the initial goal? I think it was more of, of the former, like, Oh, I guess I'll do this next. I had built, I think a fairly decent skill set. I think I had a lot of friends that were doing a lot of consulting at the time as well. So I felt like I had a good network to also tap into in terms of best practices and and all of that. So, and I also, you know, I loved the variety of the clients and and the work I was doing back then. And that's probably what kept me in it for, for a while. I think the part I hated most about it was the business development part of it, you know, in terms of having to continue to kind of keep a, a good stable of clients and, and just keep that basically my, my backfill kind of going in terms of, of ensuring that I had kind of ongoing business. And, and I, I, I love the work more than that, the kind of the business development part of it, but I'm sure most consultants would say that. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. I mean, when you were kind of running through, I guess, some of your background, you even mentioned that you really like the consumer facing part of it. 
So I feel, I mean, I'm, I'm not a numbers person specifically. I, I don't have the passion for it the way, like, luckily my, my partners do, but when it comes down to it, designing a brand and I'm sure seeing as many companies try to get started as you have, you can kind of see like, Oh, you know what? If I did something, I would do this. And then doing it long enough, you, I would imagine that you're, you know, that's been the, uh, the spark to actually start Kinona. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it certainly has shaped, I think, the brand as well in terms of the type of kind of being able to put some personality and, you know, really have a brand that can be personified um, and be really relatable, I think was a big takeaway from watching other brands and that, you know, my former clients kind of build their own brands. You know, a lot of it, it was, it would take me a long time in some cases to really understand like what is the DNA of what you're trying to get across to whoever your customer was. And a lot of my client couldn't really articulate it, at least in a way that I could understand it. And so I think I wanted to really, I knew that when, you know, it came time to, to having my own brand, that it would be something that could be really understandable and certainly very relatable. And I didn't want it to be so hyper complex that nobody knew what we were talking about. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think golf apparel is fairly straightforward. So, you know, yeah. we could check that box. I mean, it, it helps too, because you, prior to consulting, it's like you, you did this you know, your entire career. So it's, I mean, talk about knowing something inside and out. I see a lot of people try to start apparel brands who just kind of go for it. And there's got to be a lot of things that people starting something don't realize you need to think about. You've had that, that super intimate knowledge from just being around it. So what is Kinona? I mean, it golf apparel, of course, but is, what is the, the deeper look into Kinona? How would you describe it? Well, so Kinona is a uh, premium women's golf apparel brand. All of our um, DNA and, or the background for the brand, Kinona is, uh, actually means shape in Hawaiian. And the reason that we landed kind of in that, um, in that space is when we were doing our research around kind of our you know, market sizing research and where the consumers were at, you know, we discovered, um, and, and I think we intrinsically knew this just by the, you know, the women that we would come across in our research and just being out on the golf course is that the average age of a woman golfer is about 54 years old. So she's definitely older. So when we were talking uh, about the type of product that we were going to be designing and developing, you know, a woman who is 54 years old or 55 years old has a very different, I think, need than a 21 year old golfer in terms of, you know, their bodies are changing. You know, a lot of women at that age are going through menopause if they haven't already. And it just causes your body to shift and change. And even though you may be in amazing shape um, and be very fit, you know, you just have different needs. And so that was really what, why we landed kind of on this whole word around shaping and smoothing and how important that was to build into women's apparel and golf apparel, we were finding out that a lot of women, you know, just really, frankly, hated their golf clothes. They were really uncomfortable. A lot of the feedback we would get from the women that we interviewed and talked to were, you know, a lot of them, shockingly enough, were wearing like their husband's golf shirts to golf in. They were doing a lot of, you know, kind of workarounds to jerry-rig a yoga skirt to make it work out on the golf course. 
and or they were just so really unhappy with the performance and the look of you know how they showed up on the golf course and how it didn't necessarily match their own personal sense of style. So when we further kind of dug into that, and um, you had brought it up earlier, Matt, you know, a lot of women's golf apparel brands are, in fact, either run by, owned by, designed by a lot of, there's just a lot of male influence, I think, that comes into that. And and uh, there's a term in the apparel industry, it's called, you know, pink it and shrink it. And in terms of what what people do to to make you know women's apparel and and certainly that was not where we were going to go. We knew we wanted to design a brand and, and a line that appealed to the sweet spot of the market or the biggest size of the market. We weren't you know already um, women only make up about twenty five to twenty eight percent of all golfers. So already right there, the market is is not as big as the men's market. And then, you know, when you take another slice of that, there's a bit, a lot of the women, we wanted to make sure that we were going after the part of the biggest part of the market, which in fact was that woman who was probably between, you know, the ages of 30 plus and really making sure that we designed and built clothing for her um, with her needs in mind. So that's the genesis of it. It's interesting. I mean, you mentioned the the shrink it and pink it mentality and like that is it's something that I feel like really really we're starting to break away from but even still you know it's hard to fully get away from it obviously there's still like a third of golfers being women that or I guess a quarter to a third that's that's not insignificant you got to wonder is the lack of women's presence in golf because there's just there's been like this gate that's been built up from weird dress codes and the obviously like not catering to open up the sport. Yeah. I mean, I think that is certainly part of it. I mean, believe it or not, there are still men's only golf clubs in the United States or portions of clubs that are open to men and women, but that, you know, women are not allowed in this dining room, which is like, you know, really unbelievable in this day and age. Yeah. That's, that's like, borderline criminal. No, it's still crazy. It just blows me away. So I think, you know, there are a couple things that have prevented more women joining the sport. Obviously, women, you know, work They're a lot of times are the primary caregivers of their children. And and so, you know, I think golf is a very time consuming sport. It's, you know, if you're going to get out there, you know, you're usually out there for at least a couple of hours. And, and uh, if you're playing nine holes or four to five, if you're playing 18, and you know, that's a big time commitment of which a lot of women don't have that kind of time, whether they're working or raising their family. And so that also has really prevented them from being, you know, from easily accessing the sport, I'll say. And so, um, you know, I think it's also not an inexpensive sport to be a part of. There's green fees, there's the equipment, all of that. I mean, it all does that indeed add up. And so when we were, you know, really trying to identify our place in the market, we really did want to appeal to that older consumer, not only because she was probably had older children was like a little bit more over that hump of having to kind of be at home and taking care of the kids and, and all of that. But but to, you know, have, you know, I think when you're older, you really have a little bit more of, you know, a, a desire and a, a and a, you know, a, to, to kind of get back out there again and to be amongst your, your girlfriends or your, you know, and, and to be able to kind of get back out there and play. And so that's really the women that we're truly trying to support in that effort. It seems like there's, there is way more 
to Kinona than just the apparel. Was there a specific moment when you, you know, dreamed this idea and you're like, okay, we need to definitely do this? Or was it a little bit more methodical when you tried to figure out what your next thing was going to be? I think it was probably a little bit of both. We definitely and um, my, I started the business with my with my business partner and friend. We've worked we worked together, you know, decades ago. But we've you know continued to maintain a friendship, and and we've always and we would go on golf vacations together, and we would tell ourselves that when we were kind of almost done with our careers, that we should absolutely explore starting our own women's golf brand. I mean, she was in the apparel industry, I was in the apparel industry. I mean, we've. We had, as you said earlier, kind of all of that background and know how to do it. But we were also trying to kind of figure out our kind of post-corporate life and what that was going to look like. And so I think we both kind of did our own thing for, for a bit. You know, I went into the consulting world for a bit and we just felt like, you know, we're about ready to be done working and like, let's truly give this a go if this is something we want to do. And it would have been something that I think I would have always regretted not doing had we not quote unquote, gone for it. So yeah, it was a little bit of inertia, a little bit of a passion and something that, you know, just something that we really both always wanted to do. Inertia and passion. That's, you had me there. It seems like it's like the perfect timing too. I mean, just getting into golf, you're looking for like that next thing. You're kind of winding your career down, but clearly, you know, still, still have ideas wanting to, to create your own thing. How did you develop your products? How did you, I guess, R&D the, the different pieces that you come out with? Yeah, that's a great question. We formed the business in 2017, and and we really did spend that entire year researching the market. I mean, we wanted to make sure that the problem that we were seeing in the industry, meaning that most women's golf clothes were really not very attractive, not very functional, and that we couldn't even find anything to buy for ourselves. And so, we, but we wanted to make sure that wasn't just like our problem, that it was actually a, a larger problem to solve. And in, you know, in interviewing um, not only consumers, but also the buyers at a lot of these golf shops, you know, they said, yeah, there's a huge gap in the women's market. There isn't a lot of kind of more stylish women's golf apparel. We've heard that both from, uh, again, professional, you know, golf buyers as well as the consumer. And so that really informed a lot of, you know, how, you know, what types of products we wanted to design and develop. Because Diane and I, like I mentioned, had a career in, in apparel, we actually tapped one of our former designers that we worked with, and he is actually a male. He has amazing taste level, and we actually wanted somebody that didn't come from the golf industry. And he has this amazing pedigree and background in designing for really, you know, luxury brands, frankly, and has come on board and, and joined us. And he totally like has had never picked up a golf club in his life. You know, we kind of forced him to kind of come into the market with us and like see what was out there. And he had like zero interest in being kind of inspired by that and continues to be inspired by what he sees, like by reading, you know, going on to Vogue.com or whatever to, to get his inspiration. And so, you know, that's what he brings to the market. And what has made us is really responsible for that part of the brand, the product part of the brand, and, and really kind of coming out with things that are much different looking than what exists in the market today. And then 
Diane and I, my partner and I really use our own background and, and an understanding of the game itself to say, okay, we need to put pockets in, in every score. Those lengths are too short. They're too long. You know, really build the kind of the functional um, requirements in the product so that we're meeting the needs of the golfer. So that's really kind of how the product really kind of got, gets developed, you know, initially and then kind of season after season. It's highly collaborative. But I will tell you, he's not looking at the golf industry for his inspiration. He's totally looking out, you know, sportswear, ready to wear, couture, all of that for his for his inspiration. He looks at nature. He does a lot of interior design work as well. So he's, you know, he's got a lot of things to really look at to to really tap into his, you know, tap into that part of his creative thinking. That's fantastic. I I feel like that's the perfect thing too, because I mean, to to innovate, it's really hard to innovate when you're existing inside this box and you know with you and diane being in it in the sport and actually fulfilling you know your needs what you want from your apparel you can kind of facilitate okay how do we bring in inspiration outside of an already existing thing to help make it better Mm -hmm. exactly yeah it absolutely and that's really how how that really came to be and and candidly you know, the other component of that is also making sure that we did a lot of our own testing out there. So we would take the, you know, our original kind of collections to the market and, and get, to get feedback before we ever made our product commitments and buys to our factory because we wanted to make sure that we were, you know, building something that people would want, of course. And so, you know, I think we are very um, grateful, frankly, for the relationships with some of these buyers from some of these really prestigious clubs that, you know, gave us their feedback and gave us their opinion and, and, and really helped curate our collections along the way with us and, and have been amazing partners. So that has been um, really an invaluable part of our growth as well. With that end, I, it, it really does kind of take a village. Like those connections, I feel like are, are key too to even hear the, the pulse of what's happening in the industry. Correct. For Diane and I, um, and, and again, you touched on it earlier. I think, you know, in our career, we had the kind of the know-how to to build product, to put to merchandise collections, to go to market. But what we didn't know was the golf industry. I mean, we've been doing this in the world of sportswear. Um, you know, Diane has a, a huge career, has had a huge career with working for the large brands out there. And, and, you know, her and I met when we were both working for a brand called Eddie Bauer um, back in the day. And, and so we have that, that know-how of how to build product and how to, like I said, bring it to market, but we didn't know how the golf industry did it. And it was, you know, really interesting. And so a, a lot of this was really our way of also learning, you know, what their calendar looks like and what their timing was like and what, you know, how they go about buying golf apparel. And, and so I, I think that that was really where we spent a lot of time really understanding what the needs of that industry were. Was there any culture shock going or diving and really zooming into the golf industry specifically besides the already like grossly underlying issues with, you know, I guess, inclusiveness? Right. You know, it's a fairly, um, and, and it makes sense. I mean, it's it's a fairly, the industry in general, I think, legs behind other industries or other categories of apparel even, because I think it is so, there are so many kind of rules and restrictions and in the sport. Um, I think that even operationally, there's just, 
it's a little more old school than what you would find in, you know, if you, if I were a, like a buyer for a sportswear company today, I mean, I think they haven't, they've been a little bit slower to brace technology and how technology can help with the whole process of writing a purchase order or getting or doing all of that. I mean, there's just a lot of still a little bit of what we call old school handwriting of you know, orders and things like that that still happen <laughs> versus relying on on some of the plat- technical platforms that are out there. So it's not certainly not insurmountable. And I will say that that the one upside of all of that is that everybody in this industry has been so welcoming to us um, as a as a newcomer. Frankly, you know, we definitely had to prove ourselves and are continuing to do so today. But that the industry was even willing to even talk to us and and to you know, that they were so accepting of new brands coming into the market and, and, and welcome that, right? I mean, a lot of people are, you know, buyers in the, in the wholesale market are very, they don't, you know, necessarily want a ton of change and, and all of that, but they were very welcoming to seeing a new brand out there. So I think that helped kind of pave the way for us. That makes sense. I can kind of see, I mean, it's comforting to know that there is a, you know, sense of welcoming because Golf has been one of the the dustier sports, so to speak. Right. And I I think that it's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, like weird tradition and like you mentioned, rules and uh, status quos that I I could I could see the people who've been doing it for forever wouldn't want to change to that. And I mean, for what you're doing to actually have a women's golf apparel brand that is functional and not just like, Oh, this is just like khakis and like, you know, a pastel golf shirt. It, I feel like it's, it's doing more than just giving options for golfers, but actually opening up being like, Oh, okay. Like this, this is something I can get behind. You're uh, it's helping to bring the sport into the the 21st century a bit. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Right. I mean, I think, Women no longer go to the golf course and, you know, show up there and then go back home. I mean, a lot of them are, we're, you know, we're driving, we're racing into the parking lot, we're changing in our cars, we're, you know, running off to a meeting or to the grocery store afterwards. And, you know, like you have to be able to, that's a very different kind of cadence than maybe 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And, and so we really want to meet those, you know, we want to, you know, women to feel comfortable in our apparel, whether they're walking off of the 18th green and into a board meeting, you know, she can still wear one of our golf dresses and feel completely appropriate and not like she just, you know, got done golfing. So as we say, quote unquote, golfy. Um, so, you know, that's, that's really is the difference. I think it, it looks very appropriate for just wearing our clothes to do kind of whatever you want to do. Yeah. How has Kinona been received so far? I would imagine that everyone would be jumping on it since it's it's new and kind of headed in a super positive direction. Yeah, you know, it's uh I mean, we like I said, I mean, I think we've we've had to we've had to earn it, frankly. I mean, it's we're in about 400 uh golf courses across the country. Um, Because we're more of a premium brand, we're not for everybody, but we are in a lot of really nice higher end country clubs across the, across the United States. So business has been great. We continue to, to double our revenue every year, which has been really exciting. Um, We have both a really healthy wholesale business, but we also have a really um, great direct to consumer 
um, business as well with our website. You know, and again, this is probably, we did this out of naivete, but when we launched on, you know, January 15th, 2017, we literally launched our website the same day we launched into the wholesale market. So we did it all at once. But I think in hindsight, I probably wouldn't have done that again. But what it did is that it kind of made both sides of our business kind of on equal footing, meaning because a lot of times, especially in golf, which you said it yourself, it is a little, there's a lot of historical reasons why people are slow to kind of embrace technology. But uh, and a lot of golf brands, you know, don't have the same kind of, I think, online presence that we have. But because we kind of baked it in natively to the brand, it was, it, you know, it's taken off for us kind of in equal parts with our wholesale business. Now, I mean, with that, now that you're you know, really taking off again, expanding i mean for into into being in 400 uh is it golf courses or uh specialty stores it's it's a little bit of both actually matt now i mean we were primarily going after like you know the term is called green grass country clubs like golf Uh, courses and and all of that so mm -hmm. you know that's really where we started but we've now since um have expanded into like some lifestyle retail like women's boutiques and, and lifestyle retailers we're actually going to be um, in Nordstrom in the spring, the spring. And, and so we're, we're definitely kind of expanding. And so just, but again, it's, it's also, you know, those retailers that also kind of understand the popularity now of this sport and kind of being able to jump on the bandwagon because for a long time, golf was very dormant and, and there was not a lot of growth and, and in the kind of the, what I would call the post Tiger Woods era there were the numbers weren't there, you know, versus when he came on the scene and, and now um, took, unfortunately, something like a pandemic to get people outside and playing more golf. And this has been the biggest resurgence of people coming to the golf course that we've seen since Tiger Woods. So it's it needed that huge shot in the arm. Again, we don't, you know, no pun intended, but it's um, it uh, it was really um, the pandemic that also certainly bolstered personally our online business. And thank God we had a really nice, you know, fairly robust website that we had already, you know, stood up to to, to accept those consumers. But um, just being able to to have a sport that it was very accessible during the pandemic was huge. With with your momentum and all this, do you have a specific or grander vision for Kinona about like five, ten years down the road? Yeah, I mean, you know, though we we would love to, you know, continue to grow our business, and we definitely have a, a number out there that we want to hit. You know, in terms of like our long term goals for the brand, I think the sky's the limit. I mean, I think you know we are not the twenty um, something entrepreneurs um, and, and startup people, you know, that exist in the market today. So at some point, Diane and I will definitely want to actually retire, (laughs) which was our original goal. We also want to be able to make sure that we're being really good stewards of the brand and and, uh, and the business are kind of in it for the long haul, you know, hiring the right people and, and finding the right partnerships and all of that to make that happen. So, yeah. I mean, thank God that you guys are taking up the mantle too, because it is, it, it sounds like something that the sport of golf desperately needs from an inclusion perspective alone. I mean, just to encourage, you know, more people to get involved and open up the sport. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely think that especially for women, it's just, you know, they're very, very underserved, I'll, you know, I'll say. And, and, and I think, 
I was even having a conversation last night with somebody I just met over dinner and she, you know, was telling me about her experiences and in, in, in golf and, and, you know, we definitely, women definitely don't get treated the same on the golf course as men. I mean, there's a, a lot of, of preconceptions like, you know, oh, I don't want to get behind that women's foursome because they're going to be playing too slow um, or all of that. And that is completely not true. I mean, women tend to play faster. They hit the ball in the middle of the fairway. They're not off into the rough or in the trees finding their golf balls. I mean, it's just, I mean, and we're just very aware and conscious of, of all of that, right? And so the pace of play is really not an issue for a lot of women. And, but yet, you know, we also want to be that brand and that industry, frankly, that welcomes women to the sport. And, and that's really the biggest issue, frankly, I think in the sport of golf is, you know, you get women out there to try it and to play it. It's getting them to stay in it. That has always been the hardest the hardest part of it. It's super frustrating. <laughs> you know, it's hard and it's, it's time consuming. I mean, that you know, you have to kind of, you know, kind of commit to playing it and kind of get that, I'm going to call it a rush when you hit a great shot, you know, like that's, that's kind of what keeps you going and keeps you out there. And, and certainly the camaraderie of your friends or your, the people that you're playing with is also a huge part of that. So we want to embrace all of that to just encourage women to just you know, keep it going and stay with it and it will get better. And, and, you know, um, there are resources out there for lessons and clinics and tools and top golf or whatever. Like you don't just have to play on a golf course. You can go to a top golf or a golf simulator and really, you know, kind of hone your game. Um, and, and so I think having, uh, you know, all of that accessible has been, you know, a, a huge help. I think to the industry and the sport, it's just kind of, you know, encourage me continuing to encourage and support women who want to, you know, continue to play. Yeah. I, I can't stand that mentality when, you know, like golf is a, a, something that should be fun. Like everyone should be having a fun time. I, I, I mean, with any, with a lot of outdoor sports in general, they're just starting to women. open up in the past like 10, 20 years, but it's been a long time. And I, I hate that mentality of, always needing to be the best or, or, you know, really putting other people who are just learning or, or getting better under scrutiny. It, it, it doesn't seem like it does any good on any part of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is just, yeah. It's just kind of taking that intimidation factor out of it a little bit, you know, yeah. to try to, to, yeah, get, get them really kind of out there and in a comfortable place. And so, you know, I mean, I, I do hand it to the industry because they really are, making totally acceptable to play, you know, just play nine holes. Don't commit to playing 18, just play nine holes and, you know, kind of get your golf, you know, activity level up and, and just don't put so much pressure on yourself too, I think, to, you know, get out there and score all the time. It's just, you know, kind of practice and, and just kind of keeping at it. So, you know, kind of lowering those barriers. Yeah. I love that. What has been the hardest part about starting Kinona? Oh my gosh. Because both myself and Diane and our CFO and COO all came out of kind of corporate America, I'll say, you know, doing a startup, I think we tended to like, and I use the term a lot, boil the ocean um, in terms of making sure like everything was super ticked and tied and, and, you know, like we had these amazing like PowerPoint presentations or these amazing spreadsheets and our financials and, and all of that. And 
I think, you know, we were like spending a lot of time kind of really perfecting that craft because that's what we, that the expectation of that was certainly laid on us, you know, because of the kind of the corporate life that we led and the expectations of that world. Coming into this, we're like, okay, can we kind of like put all that aside? Like we don't have to, I mean, it's just for the three of us internally, like don't, don't put it, don't put a deck together, just write it on the back of a napkin and throw it up on the Zoom screen and we're fine with that. I mean, it's just... That I think, you know, we had to kind of beat beat that out of ourselves um, to really, you know, know that, you know, we're in this because we're doing this because we love it and because it's nimble and because we can make changes and can make the call and have, you know, answer these questions and and kind of get out of our own way much faster than you ever could by working in some of our former careers. And so I think giving ourselves, cutting ourselves some slack on that has probably been the biggest, the hardest thing about it. I think, you know, it's also one of those categories of product that until you kind of wear it and try it on and, and really experience Kinona for yourself by being a consumer of it and getting the, you know, the compliments or the, you know, and have, you know, helping build kind of women's self-esteem has also been a little bit harder. You know, I think we know that we're that brand that you really do have to try on before you really kind of embrace it. And, and you know, certainly that's been a hurdle, I think, again, with the, the pandemic, but just in general. So I think it's just getting a lot more women to, to try the product. And, and, and uh, we try to take a lot of those barriers down by, you know, offering free shipping and free returns and just really trying to create more of a frictionless experience when it comes to, to trying the brand. So, yeah, but it's just, it's all been living and learning. Yeah. I, I would imagine that, especially with functional technical apparel, that's the the trickiest thing because, you know, everyone's body is different to some degree. And I mean, the fact that you offer the the free shipping and free returns, I feel like that's that's huge. That's I I mean, when I purchase clothes for myself online, I usually look for that too because it's like you know you you could never know how a sizing works when it comes right. to brand over brand. Right. Exactly. Exactly. What advice would you give someone who wanted to start a business? I think my advice would be. I think you have to have a passion for for what it is that you're doing, and I, I though that sounds very cliche and probably you know very overused. I just feel that to keep something that you're working on a little bit more at arm's length, meaning like it's not a problem that you yourself have or or whatever. I mean, I think it's that firsthand experience has gone just a long way in helping. I think Diane and I, and, you know, to shape the brand and to form the brand and to really understand like what's going on with our, you know, our end consumer, you know, I think just having that passion and and making sure that you really kind of stick to your, your model in terms of understanding who your consumer is and who, what you're trying, I mean, whether it's B2B or D2C, like, I think we spend a lot of time really making sure that we have a really clear understanding of who that target is and, and can always kind of use that as our filter of going back to what she would like, what she would wear, would she wear that? You know, we've really do a lot of this work to really kind of personify our consumer and consumer to make sure that we're all lined up around our creative, around our product design, around all of that to to not only be a little bit provocative, but to also just make sure that we're being super attentive to our core consumer as well. Yeah, I I think that that having that level of care is the difference between you know just doing something and really trying to make something successful and you know put your heart and soul into it. 
I think you're 100% right. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people always ask us, oh, when are you going to you know, start a men's collection, a men's part of your brand? And, and the message that we tell people that ask us that is, you know, unfortunately, that consumer doesn't necessarily care as much as women do. And so right there was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to build something for a consumer that doesn't really have, you know, they don't necessarily care about those things that our female consumer cares about as much. Yeah, there's there's not enough of a challenge, I think, there. And, and you know, of course, the market's flooded with, with much, much more competition in that side, too. So that's certainly the more probably obvious deterrent. But I think the fact that, that most men golfers really don't care what they look like or what they have on and probably couldn't tell you what brand they're wearing today. So, um, yeah. That and I'm, men have had enough. I mean, like, I've, I feel like there's, there's plenty of men's apparel, you know, I, yeah, man, this is, I, I didn't, I'm still stuck on the whole that there's a men, men's only, uh, Oh, Golf clubs, clubs and yeah, and rooms yeah. and yeah. It's just, it's we- it feels weird. I feel I don't get it. I don't understand. You know, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely you know still out there and and um, yeah, you'd be surprised. Man, <laughs> I not am. in a good way. Not yeah. in a good way. <laughs> well, I mean, in this day and age, you know, we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, it's, it, it seems like it's it's you know on its way out. Whether it's speed regardless of the speed it, it seems that's uh that's kind of the way we're headed at least right silver linings indeed so the last question i got for you what's the best part about running kinona i think that i get to combine kind of a sport that i love you know with an expert a lo- somewhat, some, somewhat of a level of expertise and then I also get to continue to learn. You know, it's not like nothing's kind of a given here. I mean, I am not, I mean, I was a, my background is in marketing, but I am more of a brand marketer. I wasn't, I, I definitely was not like, you know, at the age of it being called a digital marketer. And I've had to teach myself that. And, um, you know, I had to learn to create a website and what all the tools were and, and, you know, understand all of the different ad buys and everything from all the different ways of getting people to your website. And, and all of that has just been this super steep learning curve for me. Frustrating, yes. You know, I've relied heavily on my network to, to help, you know, fill in the gaps of which there are many. But I think the ability to learn it and when I, like, laid script into the back end of our website and it worked. I'm just like high-fiving myself all over the place, right? And, you know, I think that has been really rewarding, you know, on a personal level. Um, you know, my husband um, is also part of the business and that has actually also been really fun for the two of us um, to kind of do something together. I think I'd be probably, I'm going to be super candid here, be really bitter if I was working as hard as we are right now and he was out golfing every single day. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's that is 100 percent fair i i feel you on that that's yeah so i think that has just been i think the, the 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 combination of 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 you know doing something that you you love doing having some level of competency at it you know in a sport that or in a you know in a you know at a, doing something you know in a sport or activity that you love is such a bonus um you know and yeah the learning you know and still while you are still learning has been really gratifying that's amazing. It's a, it sounds like everything that you've been building with Kinona is something that your entire career has led up to. And um, you know, I just wanted to thank you for coming on, sharing your experience. Uh, I guess letting us peek behind the curtain of what Kinona is all about. 
for the listener who wants to find out more or pick up some golf apparel of their own, where is the best place for them to head? Kinonasport.com. Awesome. Tammy, thanks again for coming on. Thank you, Matt. It was a pleasure. We made it. Thank you again for tuning in to this week's episode of Built on Passion. Hope you learned something. Hope you maybe grew as a person. Maybe you have a new entrepreneurial idea. Maybe all of the above. Maybe you got a new perspective on your favorite hobby or favorite piece of gear and you just you fell in love all over again. I'm hoping for the last one. That last one actually sounds pretty good. I'm going to ask one last time for the people in the back. Please leave a review. It is super helpful and a great way to show your support of the show. And if you know someone who might be interested in this episode specifically, share it to them. And all joking aside, thank you for everything, for supporting what we're doing. In any event, that's it for now. I will see you next week on another episode of Built on Passion. Passion.